You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team you're listening to season one episode 33 we're calling this one sweet revenge and this is the fly the w 670 podcast and right now we're going to interview the cubs vp of scouting dan Kantrovitz. joining me now on the fly the w podcast i am with the cubs vp of scouting dan Kantrovitz. dan how are you doing today I'm, I'm i'm doing excellent thanks for having me on Glad to have you on, and uh, maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about what your role of the Cubs VIP of scouting entails. Like, what are some of the responsibilities? Yeah, so I think on a just a real basic level, my job is to is to run our draft. Um, you know, and that's three days uh, in July each year, where you know we're selecting uh, you know roughly twenty um, high school or college or uh, or junior college players. Uh, you know, from a pool of probably starting with roughly, you know, call it a thousand players on our on our board, and you know, then we narrow it down to see who's still there at our pick, and uh, you know, we go through that process twenty times or twenty rounds, and um, and try to end up with the the, the best collection of a uh, of, of future Cubs, and then uh, sorry, no, go ahead. And so you know, that's you know, nowadays that's kind of a three hundred sixty five day year process where. You know, we've got 30 scouts uh, out in the field, you know, whether they're area scouts and cover a certain area, whether they're, you know, regional cross checkers and oversee a few of those area scouts or whether then there's national cross checkers and then cover the entire country. Um, But, you know, that process of trying to identify who those, you know, 1000 players on our draft board might be is uh, kind of a a year round process. And uh, it involves a lot of different things as far as evaluating the players' talent on the field, trying to get a feel for what makes them tick, what motivates them. We call that their makeup. Um, and then, you know, trying to integrate all that information and those opinions with, you know, some of the great work that our people in the office do on the research and development side, um, collaborate quite a bit with, you know, people on the player development side, whether that's uh, in our hitting group or our pitching group, um, and obviously with, uh, you know, the, the leadership group in Chicago. So, uh, but all of it's geared towards and, and focus on those uh, those three days in July where we're trying to figure out the you know the, the best uh, uh, who are going to be future Cubs one day. Now you were hired in the fall of 2019, but you got previous experience with the Cardinals and the Oakland A's. You ran some drafts for those guys, and those two teams they just they're legendary for being able to find 
the best, you know, players in the draft, guys that nobody even hears of. And all of a sudden you're like, where did, where did the Cardinals get these guys? Or Oakland, obviously another classic. What did you take uh, from your time in the, those organizations that you've applied to your work with the Cubs? Yeah. So, you know, dating back to St. Louis when I started in 2000, late 2004, uh, you know, I, I really just kind of cut my teeth immediately in amateur scouting. Um, you know, the people I was working for were responsible for our draft, had a similar role to, to mine now, um, and was just thrown in the fire immediately and, uh, you know, was writing a couple hundred scouting reports every year, was working with our analysts and, um, you know, really getting sort of a bird's eye view of, um, you know, what uh, Major League Baseball team does in scouting and then sort of where things were going in terms of, you know, getting more information, more data. Um, and, you know, I did that for about five or six years. Um, and then, like you said, uh, worked for the Oakland A's, actually was in charge of their international scouting group, um, which might have been, uh, in, in my opinion, some of the, the best training you can have as a scout because you're going down there and just getting sort of a, a pure, unadulterated look at um, – you know, uh, at 16 year olds where, you know, at the time we didn't even have a lot of the, the tracking data that, you know, guys have now to, to help in their evaluations. And so you really just have to put a dollar sign on the muscle when it, when it comes to that and try to figure out how much this player is worth, how good they are, how good they are now, how much improvement they have in the, in the future. And, and then I ended up doing that for, um, for about three years. Uh, and then like you alluded to, um, ran a few of the Cardinals drafts from 2012 to 2014. Uh, and then when I was in Oakland, um, I actually wasn't as involved in our sort of day-to-day -day draft process as more on the major league uh, side in terms of, you know, running our um, sort of R&D department, uh, the statistical analysis to identify trade candidates, free agents, uh, player evaluation. So really have the full spectrum of, uh, you know, over the last uh, almost 20 years of, evaluating, you know, whether it's a 16-year-old in the Dominican Republic, um, whether it's an 18-year-old or 22-year-old for the draft, or whether it's a, you know, 30-year-old free agent and just trying to figure out how to value those players um, and then sort of where they could fit in on the, you know, either the, the minor league or the major league side. Now, you get into the Cubs as a VP of scouting, and, and your first draft is 2020, which presented a whole bunch of unique challenges. How, how did you adapt to those challenges and what did you have to overcome in that unique draft? Yeah. So, you know, I think in, in my situation in particular, um, you know, coming from Oakland where my job was primarily focused on, you know, major league player acquisition and, and, and statistical analysis and, and uh, not so much on the amateur side uh, and then coming in and just, you know, really just having to familiarize myself with the amateur pool of players, one, and then two, uh, our scouts um, and then I think, you know, there were universal challenges that weren't just specific to me uh, when, you know, the, the pandemic struck and every team had to try to, you know, make these decisions based on imperfect information. Uh, and I think that's always our, our job and our challenge is to, you know, try to draft players based on, you know, imperfect information, even when it's a, you know, a, a full season and when it's not truncated. But uh, in, in, in 2020, I think... Um, you know, the, we just had to do, you know, like everybody else, you know, the, the best we could um, and, and make certain concessions during the draft. I mean, um, you know, not we weren't going to have everybody see all the players. And in my case, I wasn't going to be able to see all of them. And, you know, we're going to draft players that, uh, um, you know, going into it that we wish we probably would have had a little bit more information on in, 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 in retrospect. 
Um, but I think everybody was in the same boat and, you know, it probably uh, increased the, the variation in terms of the outcomes of, you know, whether this player, you know, how this player is going to do. Um, and, you know, I think we viewed it as a, a unique opportunity to, to potentially take some more risks, risks than we otherwise would have, um, you know, because we we're taking a big risk regardless. Um, you know, but that said, they, I think they were, um, you know, looking back on it. Uh, you know, we tried to leverage as many of the resources that we had in, you know, in our research development group in terms from a data standpoint. Um, you know, we spent months and months uh, interviewing these players on Zoom. And, you know, that's a process that's stayed with us, you know, today that, you know, we've kind of taken from that, um, you know, one of the positives. But, um, yeah, it was, no doubt it was challenging and it was, you know, never envisioned having, you know, running a draft in that way, seeing basically in a, you know, conference room by myself in, in Arizona with, you know, Jed and Theo on, on one Zoom, you know, when they're at their homes and then, you know, our scouts in, in, in different, you know, rooms on Zoom and, you know, for wherever they happen to be based. It was just a, a really unique set of circumstances. And, um, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think looking back on any draft, it's ever going to be, um, you know, perfect or sort of unfold exactly the way that you, that you want it to. And, um, but it's, it's nice to see some, uh, some, some of those players starting to have some success, you know, whether it's the, you know, the Luke Littles of the world or the, you know, the Wogus that are, you know, really starting to turn it on this year. And, you know, the, the amount of time we spent on the undrafted pool, you know, whether it's like the Mervises or the Leapers and, you know, there's, there's a few others, um, you know, is, is starting to pay some dividends too. So, you know, we're, we're really proud about that. And when you talk about that undrafted pool, I mean, that just blew up when, when they like, cut the number of rounds in the draft. I mean, so now there's all sorts of opportunities to get guys, like you said, like Matt Mervis. And, and, and you know, from a lot of interviews that I've read, a lot of these guys have chips on their shoulders because they think, hey, I should have been drafted. And, and they feel like they got something a little extra to prove. Yeah. I, you know, I think th there was a few different processes to that undrafted piece one was you know the evaluation component and and you know that comes down to you know our scouts on the amateur side saying you know i i like this player which you know in the case of like mervis you know billy swope did a excellent job you know just as he always does and always has done of you know pound the table saying you know i believe in this guy um and then you know there was that recruiting piece of it too which you know we tapped into you know everybody in the organization whether it was you know stony on the hitting side to to show a guy like matt you know how we could uh you know, just to nurture his swing and, and, and help his progress and development, whether that was, you know, Rossi giving him a call and, you know, just giving him a little taste of the Cubs culture so that, you know, it might be something that he would be attracted to. But, um, you know, it was uh, th those were guys, like you said, you know, I don't know if I would say it as, as having a chip on their shoulder, but, I, I you know, they were a few of them had a lot of confidence that, you know, they should have been drafted. Um, and so to, you know, talk to a player when they feel like they should have been drafted and say, well, you know, um, now we're going to offer you X, which, you know, was maybe the maximum amount allowable under the, the rules for a non-drafted free agent was, was not really what some of those guys were, you know, were, were hoping that to, to get. And I remember in the case of, of Matt, um, you know, just a, a, a funny anecdote is, you know, we're trying to pitch him on the opportunity and, um, you know, he's going down our, our depth chart. And, you know, I remember him like stopping at like uh, at, at Rizzo and thinking, you know, that, that, and he said this and he said, well, you know, that's something that, you know, I, I think that could be an impediment to sort of my progress to, to get to, to Wrigley Field as quick as I want to. And I'm thinking to myself, goodness, this guy's got quite a bit of confidence here that, uh, you know, he's, he's already thinking he's blocked by our, you know, incumbent uh, all-star first baseman. Uh, but it speaks to, 
um, you know, the confidence that, that he, he had and, and, and has now. And I think it's part of one of the things that just fuels him and allows him to, you know, have the success that, that he's, he's had. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome to see. In a way, you almost like to see that confidence from a player, that hunger from a player that, Hey, I'm going to get there and I'm going to be something, you know? No doubt. I mean, these guys, uh, you know, any drafted player, any player in major league baseball in, in professional baseball, it's, uh, you know, the odds are against you. And then you factor in that you're an undrafted free agent and you're, you might have to really work to get that playing time, you know, the, those opportunities. And, um, and then, you know, factor in that, you know, the minor leagues were, um, you know, restructured quite a bit. And so the opportunities were even fewer, uh, you know, going forward. And so I think, um, you, you certainly have to have, and that's one of the things we look for in these player interviews pre-draft when we're trying to, you know, sit down and get to know the player and their families. You, you have to have that confidence, and um, and sometimes even an overconfidence isn't 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 a bad thing. Well, that first draft that you had, I mean, some like you said, some of the names that came out of there. Ed Howard, I got a chance to see him, unfortunately, before he got injured, but he was just looking so good, and we knew him from Jackie Robinson West days. Burl Caraway, Jordan Nuagu, who I also got to see at South Bend, Luke Little, who I saw in Arizona. I mean, uh, Luke Little, what what a name for that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just a monster, and uh, it's just exciting. And then 2021, a little bit normal. You get you get the 20 rounds as opposed to five, and you just you get some good picks there. Jordan Wicks and James Triantos, and Drew Gray and Christian Franklin, a lot of these guys. I find it interesting that it seems to me like, you know, I think of a lot about the last time the Cubs had a really good farm system, and everybody seemed to be about the same age and come up at the same time. Whereas this time around, it seems to me like you have a lot of different age groups. There's, there's, you know, everybody, you know, kids that are, you know, like Christian Hernandez. I saw him in, in Arizona. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy looks so young. And then you have some other guys that are, you know, college grads and stuff like that. So do you think about that when you're going through the draft about kind of having a little bit of diversity in age groups as well? Yeah, I mean, not so much. You know, and I think that's probably something that would be um, – along the lines of something Jed and Carter might, you know, think about when they're looking at the big picture holistically of, you know, sort of our player acquisition apparatus. And, you know, the draft is just one of those places, one of those uh, ways to, to get players. And, and so I think, um, you know, we try not to look at it so much in the sense of like having a diverse portfolio, but I think at the end of the day, you, you, you know, you, you walk out of there feeling a little bit better about it. If you have, you know, a few players that are you know, on the younger side, a few players that are on the older side, um, you know, because you know that there's just uh, natural attrition where, and, and some players are going to get injured. And um, in some cases that's a, you know, a year long recovery. So if you have a laddered sort of approach to that, um, you know, I think as an organization that probably is, uh, you're probably in a little bit better spot, but um, you know, I think some of that just takes care of itself naturally as well. You know, we have a, you know, international group that does a phenomenal job, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, Louie or Alex or, you know, their, their entire staff. And so, you know, just the, the nature of their work brings in usually a, a younger group, um, you know, because they can sign players when they're, um, you know, 16. So if you, you know, have a wave of those players, have a wave of players, you know, that, that we can source from the draft, um, you know, from 18 to 22. And, um, you know, then, you know, the, the, the pro group, uh, you know, contributes with, uh, you know, they're minor league free agents and, and, and major league free agents. And so, yeah, I think it tends to take care of itself naturally. And, and it, it probably is not something that we, we want to force, but um, if you, if you just, if you ignore it, then that's probably not a good thing either. Cause then you end up having a, 
um, you know, not sort of that wave um, and, and probably not the depth that you want. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, 2022, most people were thinking on the draft that they were going to you know, lean more heavily on hitters. But you guys kind of took 16 out of 20 picks were uh, pitchers. Was that a strategy going into the draft? Are you guys kind of playing the board as it kind of fell to you? Or what was going on through this draft this year? Yeah, I think going in, um, you know, we had had talks about, you know, where there's opportunities, where we're, you know, where we're light. It's no secret that, um, you know, pitching is a pretty viable currency, you know, in, in, in the game and that, um, you know, and that we've been, you know, as an organization building up those, uh, you know, those reserves over the years and, you know, probably still need to. Um, so leaning sort of on the pitching, you know, side of the spectrum was, was, was absolutely part of the strategy. Um, I didn't imagine that we'd probably come out of it um, with, with that many pitchers. Um, and that just was a function of sort of who we liked best at, at, at each pick. Um, but I think, you know, it, there's also different stages of the draft. And I think the way that it's broken out, you know, in the three days gives you sort of a, a glimpse of at least how, how I like to look at it. And it's, you know, the, you know, the first pick or two, which is day one, um, you know, that's, that's an area where you try not to let need factor into it. Um, but you also know that, you know, if you're looking for a top of the rotation arm, um, you know, that that's one of the few places where you might be able to get it. And, um, you know, then you go into day two, which is sort of that depth range, which is, you know, typically the, like around the se- second round to the 10th round um, or third round to the 10th round. And, um, you know, that that's an area where I think you want to make sure that you're trying to just let the draft, you know, play itself out and not force anything and, 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 and take who, you know, you think is the best player on the board regardless of position. Um, but, you know, as it turned out, and maybe this was, uh, a function of just the draft pool, um, or maybe just our scouts' preferences this year. We 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 took a lot of you know pitchers obviously on day two. Then day three is a, a lot different in the sense that um, you know because the signing bonuses are steadily decreasing, um, you know from the first pick to the last pick. And um, so when you get to day three after the tenth round, you know you're typically play, paying players a little bit less, in some cases a lot less. Um, and you want to make sure that you have spots for them to play. And so if you're, you know, taking a hitter, a shortstop, and you know that your depth chart in Myrtle has, you know, three shortstops that are going to get at bats already, um, it, it could be hard to, you know, f- for that player to, to, to get any playing time. Um, and so that could be a case where then maybe you pivot to sort of that, that pitcher or a little bit, you know, less, uh, firm on kind of that starter versus reliever, you know, dynamic and, um, so, you know, there, but I do think there's those three distinct stages um, and you tend to look at how you're picking differently within each stage. Now, speaking of pitchers, uh, the, my, the group Cub fans in Oklahoma would be mad if I didn't mention Cade Horton. So, so talk, to the, talk to the listeners here about what you saw when you guys saw Cade Horton and why you were excited to take him in round one. Yeah, it, it, it's it's when I called Cade after the draft, uh, the first thing I asked him and, and I expected him to say no was, you know, do you remember when Ty and I came and uh, sat down in your house in high school? Um, and it was, you know, 
pre-pandemic. It was probably, you know, February, March of 2020. Um, and he, he said, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think it's from that point on that, you know, we've had quite a bit of interest in him. He's, you know, he was a pretty stud athlete coming out of high school. You know, he was not just a two-way guy and on the baseball field, but, you know, a quarterback, uh, a pretty accomplished one, uh, I think had options at Oklahoma to do that. Um, and then uh, ended up, you know, just sort of uh, sticking with baseball. And, uh, you know, he was actually getting some time at third base on their team this year before he, you know, kind of got back on the mound. Um, but, you know, a lot of the credit goes to our area scout, Ty Nichols, who, um, you know, never lost his conviction on, 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 on Cade and, um, you know, was really quick to just say, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is first round stuff coming out of his arm. Um, and, you know, gave us enough time to sort of circle wagons and, uh, you know, get some of our senior evaluators in there. And, you know, there was a little bit of a time crunch there at the end where, you know, we had to, uh, you know, sort of keep up with, uh, um, you know, the, the major league baseball combine while at the same time trying to, you know, get some last looks at Cade in the college world series. Um, but it all sort of, you know, every arrow, every data point, you know, both from our scouts, as well as, uh, you know, when we talked about him with, you know, our, our, our pitching experts and player development, um, you know, as well as some of our data gurus and research and development, um, you know, as well as Jed and Carter, I mean, every kind of arrow pointed towards, you know, uh, Cade being, uh, somebody that we'd, you know, really want to seriously consider it, you know, with our first pick. Um, you know, I don't think up until probably the day of, um, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't know that it would be, uh, um, you know, how, how likely he, he would be, uh, you know, to, to be our first pick. And, you know, there was some rumblings that he might not get to our first pick. And then, you know, we had some information that, um, you know, afterwards and, you know, that I think, uh, um, you know, there was quite a few, quite a bit of action on him right behind us too. Um, so you just never know how those things are going to play out, but it was, uh, it was, it was a fun series of events. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, and we're pretty happy that he ended up being our guy. Now, not only did you get Kate Horton, but you also got left-hander in the second round, Jackson Ferris, that some people might think is the steal of the draft. And he comes from IMG Academy, which is where you also guys also got Drew Gray and other players. What is it about IMG Academy that's, that's pumping out these great baseball players? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I, you know, they, they have great facilities there. I think they, you know, they play like a national schedule. Um, you know, I think a lot of kids changed their, and families just changed their expectations, change, sort of changed their sights on what they want out of, uh, you know, secondary education in terms of uh, high school, especially if they're, um, you know, a devoted athlete and, and have aspirations of being a professional. And, you know, I think IMG caters to just, a, you know, a certain crowd, a certain group of sort of those elite athletes that, um, you know, do want to, you know, prioritize both schooling, but also know that, you know, they want to, um, you know, have the resources right away and not wait to college to sort of have that Olympic size weight room, to have that national schedule, to occasionally be on TV, to uh, just sort of get all the resources as quick as they can. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, the, those, that group has in common, at least those that we've spoken with. And, um, you know, it's, 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 when you sit down with Jackson, I mean, he's a, he's a serious focused kid and he, it, it just comes out that, you know, it's like, uh, his goal was to play pro baseball coming out of high school. And I think he viewed IMG as, you know, the, the right mechanism or the right venue to, to help him get there. Um, but he's somebody, and, you know, looking back on just the process and all the conversations and texts and phone calls, you know, about these players all year long. Um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know when exactly it was, but I, I remember talking to Jed early in the spring after a 
you know, um, a few of us had seen Jackson a couple times uh, and just saying, you know, this guy's probably going to be in the mix for us with our first pick. Um, and, you know, that was echoed by then all the subsequent reports and scouts that went in there to see him. And um, he, we viewed him as, as, as that kind of talent. And, you know, I think the way that the draft worked out and, and kind of the communication that we had with him and his agents, um, you know, during, um, you know, enabled that to happen. And, and, and we couldn't be more thrilled because we do, you know, think that he's, uh, he's a first-round caliber pick and that, you know, between Jackson and Cade that we got two first-round arms. The one guy that really interests me is your fourth round pick, Nasir Mule. Tell me a little about this kid. Some about his personality. I don't know. It just kind of comes through and kind of, kind of screams star. Like you know, when we talked about that confidence piece, some about him. I don't know what it was. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, I think you know our, our area's got John Pedrotti, um was on him from the you know the beginning of the spring and you know from the summer when we had when we were seeing him throw 100 miles an hour at some of these showcases and then also seeing him. Uh, you know, make some good plays at short and hit the ball as hard as anybody else. And so he was like he was solidly on our radar going into the spring. But being in New Jersey, um, you know, you don't often get the you don't have that uh, runway in terms of just the weather it doesn't allow you to, you know, play the schedule that, you know, some of his peers could in Florida. So, um, you know, to, to John's credit and a few of our other scouts that got in there, um, you know, they they saw him quite a bit. And I think he only pitched, you know, 12 or 13 official high school innings this year. Um, and, and I want to say we saw the vast majority of, if not all of those, um, as, you know, as a scouting group. And then, um, you know, that put us in position, you know, once he decided to, you know, rest his arm the rest of the way, um, to, you know, feel comfortable about taking him where we did, um, you know, that combined with some of our looks fr from the summer. But, uh, I, I agree with you. I mean, staying down with him at the combine, um, he's, he's not like any other 17 year old kid I've, I've sat down with and, and, and talked to. I mean, it was just an era of, confidence but also humility um acknowledgement that you know sort of he's got some you know pretty special god-given tools um but they you know he's also going to have to work and uh and, and challenge himself and that you know he's he's looking forward to that and uh i think from a maturity standpoint um we were impressed and and and, and don't have any concerns there and um you know he's he's a he's a special athlete and he's got some special skills and he's i think gonna be a pretty fun one to follow over the next few years yeah, he, he's my guy right now. Now, one, one, one guy I want to do ask you about, and again, as Cub fans, we kind of get goofy sometimes, but everyone kind of laughed a little bit in the eighth round when Mason McGuire's name gets called. Obviously, we remember the home run chase in 1998. You know, how interesting is it to talk to some of these um, players that who have parents that played, you know, in the major leagues? Um, I mean, a lot of these guys, and I've talked to, like when I talked to Cole Franklin and his uncle Ryan and stuff like that, these are guys that have kind of been around baseball their whole lives and been around stadiums and met some of these players. What, what was, was there something different when you talk to these type of guys that you kind of tend to notice? Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting you say that because I feel like this year in particular, there, there were so many players that were related to, you know, sort of a, somebody that we grew up, you know, watching on TV or, um, you know, I remember maybe one of the first games I went to this spring, you know, I'm walking out with our scouts and, um, you know, Manny Ramirez sort of is, is down the line watching his son play. And, uh, I mean, there, there, you know, in, there were just countless examples of that this spring where it's like these guys that, you know, we grew up, uh, you know, idolizing and, uh, you know, just, you know, having posters of them on their, you know, on our walls as kids, uh, you know, that we're now running into them and, um, you know, having these like normal business-like conversations with them. And sometimes you just kind of have to, 
you know, you pinch yourself. It's like, well, just, you know, keep this in perspective. We're still trying to draft the best players out here, but that was kind of fun. Um, but, you know, in the case of Mason, um, you know, we, Mason was on the circuit all summer with, you know, the, the other, um, you know, top high school players. And so we, you know, we had a chance to thoroughly evaluate him and, 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 you know, at that point, and then being in Southern California, um, you know, he's, they're playing all year round. So there, there's no real, um, uh, there's no real concern in terms of us not getting enough looks. And then Evan Kaufman, our area scout, um, you know, was on top of it from the beginning. And, you know, Evan and I went in to um, meet with Mason and, and his family and, uh, you know, before season started and just got a really good impression of sort of what, you know, how focused Mason is, what he's trying to do, where he's, you know, how he's gotten to the point where, where he is and, and then, you know, his, his plan for getting to, uh eventually the major leagues and um you know we were just impressed with his progress all spring and not to mention you know he's got sort of a prototypical um you know just beautiful pitcher's frame that you know is is just sort of ripe to add more uh more good weight and you know hopefully which will increase his fastball velocity a little bit more enable that splitter to um you know fall off the table even more and and and, and just uh you know we we really, really like the ingredients there and um, you know, I think, uh, he's somebody that we would have been in on, you know, whether or not Mark was his dad. Um, but obviously it's a pretty neat story and, and neat situation, you know, given his, his, his family background. But, uh, um, you know, I told Mason right after the draft, it's, you know, we drafted you for, you know, because of you, not, you know, because of the name on the back of your Jersey. And, um, you know, I think you really appreciate hearing that. Yeah. And, and, and I just, like I said, the only thing that makes me giggle is the idea of one day, Mark McGuire in Wrigley Field to see his son play wearing a Cubs jersey. Cubs head, that would be a little bit ironic. But, Dan, I really appreciate your time today. Um, thank you for coming on and kind of giving us a little bit of background about these drafts, and we would love to have you back on again sometime to kind of keep teaching us more and more about what you do and what goes on in the business of the draft. It's my pleasure. Happy to come on anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you later, Dan. Okay, sounds good. Bye.